0: To the truth in my days podcast where we defend the word of god against the challenges of men
1: hello all welcome back to the truth in my days apologetics podcast today we have Sonia Tors speaking with john Tors on the topic of 25 fallacies made in the case for christianity we are continuing from the last episode today hope you enjoy and
2: hey, that sounds a little a little similar to the argument from utility his next one um for example a religion being promoted because people behave better if they think that there's a god
1: well whether they behave better or not really depends on their view of god um, the ancient aztec religions for example their gods wanted uh, large-scale human sacrifices and so they made war on their neighbors simply to catch people uh, so i could take them top of their uh, step pyramids there stretch them out on a stone altar and then plunge an obsidian knife into their chest, rip it open, grab their heart and pull it out and hold it up while it's still beating. I don't think that would be considered as being better. So they say religion makes people better. It's like saying politics makes people better. Doesn't it depend on which one? The argument from utility is made by some people, has been historically made by some people, not for the purpose of defending Christianity, but just for making people better. Many of the American founding fathers, like Thomas Jefferson, were not Christians. They were deists. Uh, but they understood, with the economist uh, um, Adam Smith, that capitalism, economic, uh, economic practices have to go hand in hand with morality. Smith wrote it, that, that book on the, uh, the wealth of nations, that, that seminal work. He wrote another one that's not nearly as well known, but perhaps should be, The Theory of Moral Sentiments. And the Tocqueville, uh, that Frenchman who, who, in the early days, did a tour of America to who makes America bigger, he, he made this pressing observation. I said, America is great because America is good. When America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And, and Jefferson, as I said, like he, he didn't believe in Christianity, but he thought it was important to promote this to the ordinary people because it would keep them good. So... There are people who have used this, who've promoted it because of its utility, but no apologist uses that to prove Christianity. So, once again, this is a straw man on steroids, folks.
2: Okay, well, what about false equivalence, the two Kokwe argument? As in, he makes an argument against you, and instead of debunking his argument, you say, well, you're saying the same thing. So, and he's, he's using the example of Christians accusing the naturalists of scientism.
1: Uh, yes, yes, he does that. I mean, he writes, perhaps the most common apologetic use of a 2 argument is the charge that naturalists are wedded to their own religion, which apologists call scientism. Now, once again, I'm not sure where the application is to apologetics or not. You can argue about whether scientism is a religion or not. I think you would fail if you argue against it, it clearly is but it's got nothing to do with apologetics. So why is it on this list? Religion, depending on how you define it, is your worldview as it relates to ultimate meaning, ultimate values, ultimate reality, and so on. Uh, Scientism, as opposed to science, scientism is the view that only what science can look at is real. So only what the natural world is real, the concept of supernatural God is ruled out a priori, and so we have to explain everything in terms of naturalism. Okay? So that is a worldview that does encompass ultimate meaning, ultimate uh, values, ultimate nature of reality. To to not call it a, a religion seems to me to be rather ridiculous. Uh, but if Campbell doesn't want it to be called a religion, he can do that. I think it's special pleading on his part. But it's irrelevant because it has nothing to do with apologetics.
2: Oh, Unless he's accusing some apologists of just deflecting arguments by using this instead of answering them. But then again, he doesn't give any specific examples.
1: Yes, and I'm not sure exactly how uh, an apologist would use it to deflect the challenge. So unless he, he gives us an example, there's really nothing more to be said here.
2: Okay, how, how about the, the false dichotomy? Uh, it seems like he's saying that Christians, w- apologists will present only a limited number of options that if you eliminate all but one, the last one is true. And he's saying that these Christians don't present the fact that there could actually be more options. And then he, he's uh, use he actually gives an example this time. C.S. Lewis is liar, lunatic, or Lord. And then he's saying, well, but C.S. Lewis didn't include the possibility of legend. So that's a false dichotomy or, uh, Christians, apologists, thinking there's only two possibilities, Christianity and atheism, false dichotomy, because they ignore the other religions.
1: Yeah, the, the Lewis's dictum would actually be a false trichotomy, not a false dichotomy. Okay, he
2: did call it a trilemma.
1: Yes, well, that, that is what it's called, Lewis's trilemma. Uh, now, false dichotomy is a is a logical fallacy, and you do need to be careful how you phrase things in order to avoid doing that. But again, the the good apologists do that. They don't use false dichotomies. If we go back to the C.S. Lewis trilemma, uh, a lot of apologists don't use that anymore because of that. Lewis technically said, any man who says the things Jesus said is one of these three things, Lord, liar, or lunatic. He's either lying or he's crazy or he's actually what he says. And that is true. The legend is actually not part of that trilemma, okay? because Lewis said, if a man said these things. So the legend part is saying, well, he didn't actually say these things. And, and that's where liberal theologians have been attacking, casting doubt on the historical records, say that we don't know Jesus said these things. That's not actually overturning the trilemma. It's just a question of whether did he actually say these things or not. So this is why Our politics has to be focused on proving the reliability of the gospel books and thereby proving he did say these things. But you can always avoid the false dichotomy by phrasing your situation properly. By the axiom of logic called the the law of the excluded middle, any proposition and its negation cover all possibilities. So there's a dichotomy that's not false. It's a dichotomy that's always true. The ball is either blue or it's red, is a false dichotomy. It could be green, it could be yellow, it could be purple, and so on. But to say the ball is either blue or it's not blue is not a false dichotomy. It covers all possibilities, because if it's blue, it goes into the first category. Anything else other than blue goes into the second category. So when we're doing apologetics, where we start with the existence of God, we'll start with the dichotomy the world and the life in it were either created or not created. And when you phrase it that way, it's not a false dichotomy. It's axiomatically true because it either created or any other way it came about has to go into the not created because it was, involves creation. Then it's into the first one. So you see, when you word it that way, you don't have a false dichotomy. And that is where we start on proving the existence of God. And we did do a program on that. Uh, once you go to the not created side, okay, what have you left with? Well, naturalistic processes and evolution is the only game in town for that. And if you disprove one, then the other one is necessarily true. If there are only two options, disproving one proves the other. So we don't want to do false dichotomies, certainly, but there's a place for dichotomies as long as they are correctly, correctly stated. Now, what he says about the Christian atheism, again, responsible apologists don't do that. We start with this, we're either created or not created. And the issue is, is there a God at all or not? And the conclusion that's reached through, through science and logic is there must be a God. The next step then, once you've established as a God, the next step is which God? So we don't say, it's a, we don't say Christian or atheism, we say atheism or theism. Once we've proven theism, then it becomes a question of which God. And we come back to the fact, which is the only one that proved himself? Which is the only messenger of God who fulfilled ancient prophecies, worked amazing miracles, and rose from the dead. Every messenger from God, claiming to bring God's message, is is guaranteeing you victory over death. That's the big thing, eternal life. And every one of them is dead and moldering his grave, except for one, and that's Jesus. He's the only one who proved that he could beat death. He beat it for himself, so he can beat it for us. So that's that's step two, though. It's a two-step process. One, proving God. Two, then proving which God. Um, So... He is correct that false dichotomies is a logical fallacy, but but careful, apologists just don't appeal to false dichotomies. Like careless ones might occasionally fall into it, but you can just dig yourself back out of it by restructuring your argument.
2: What do you think of the Pascal's wager that he mentions?
1: Well, Pascal, okay, the two, two parts I mentioned, so Pascal's wager, it makes sense, but he correctly says that that doesn't make it true. Christianity, like if, if you... If you believe in Christianity, but it's false, you don't lose anything. But if you disbelieve in Christianity, it's true, you lose everything. Well, that's that's true, but it doesn't make Christianity true. So I don't know that anybody believes in it on that basis. There are some that I know of who hear enough that makes them wonder. I know one fellow who who, who didn't believe in God. He was not he was not a theist. He was not a Christian. But what bothered him was the concept of hell and the question, well, but maybe it is true. So in a sense, it was, it was a variation of Pascal's wager. It was like, but what's the consequences if it is true? But he didn't say, well, it might be true, so I'm going to believe it. But his, his wondering caused him then to start examining the evidence, which would either convince him, yeah, Christianity is true, I should believe it, or it's false, so I don't need to worry about what Christianity says about hell. But I don't think anybody uses... Pascal's wager as a proof for Christianity, but perhaps as a way to try to get people to be willing to think about it. Uh, now what he says about, but about other gods, uh, Pascal's wager could apply to us too, because you know, suppose, that, uh, suppose that we're going to believe in Jesus because of the, the threat of the alternative, but what if we made the wrong choice? What if it's a different God and by believing Christianity, we've made the wrong choice? We're back to the issue of trying to figure out which is the right God. Of course, you need to do that. And once again, there's only one who proved himself by rising from the dead.
2: Now, what about the argument to moderation? I don't even know why this is here.
1: I don't know why it's here either. I, I don't see First, no Christian apologist uses this. And I don't even know how they could, how it could possibly be, apply here. There's no reason to have this on the list.
2: Okay, I, I found this strange. Number 20 is the appeal to relativism, but I've only ever heard the non-Christians use this, never the Christians.
1: Exactly. Christians never appeal to relativism. We believe we have absolute truth. It's the exact opposite. Once again, I don't know what this guy is doing by putting this in here.
2: Okay, number 21, the Texas sharpshooter. I think you might have talked about this already, but I, I think he's, he's trying to say that, well... Those four canonical gospels that are so consistent is not really good evidence because they're just all, all the similar ones are picked and, and banded together so that it looks like there's super good evidence. Like like someone shooting an, a bunch of arrows and drawing the bullseye around the best cluster when there are many arrows.
1: Yes. Uh, as you say, we did talk about this before, and I did mention he brings this up again, and, and here it is. He brings it up. Uh, I would say... It's, it's not a fallacy, in fact. The, the consistency among the gospel books is uh, something that does support their veracity. And it's not just the consistency. It's not just agreements. It's also the differences. We, we have on our website an article about this. People look at the four accounts and they talk about uh, discrepancies and differences. They never stop to look at four contemporary accounts, the same event, to see whether you get the same kind of differences or not. And we did that a few years ago, an article on the four interviews after a World Ho- Junior Hockey Championship game and showed that you get exactly the same kind of phenomenon that you get in the gospel books. So it is good evidence in the sense that it does suggest that these people were independently writing what they had seen and heard. But the claim that it's cherry-picked, again, it's, it's false because there were not all these other books. We were not just picking a few that are consistent leaving the others out. The others didn't exist.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment share and subscribe to this podcast we would love to hear from you thank you for listening to the truth in my days podcast with john torse we would love to hear from you please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have you can reach us on facebook instagram miwi and youtube simply search truth in my days as one word again truth in my days as one word no spaces in between and you can connect with us you may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry our website is truthinmydays.com thank you